Hello, and welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo, and I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. You can find all of my written reviews. I've been doing them since 1996, so you definitely have a lot of film reviews to choose from to judge me by. Over 3,600 of them, actually, at my website, Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be taking a look at a film that I've been anticipating for quite a while, and I've also been a little bit, I've been cautiously optimistic on it. I feel that there were a lot of red flags going in, in addition to Josh Trank basically being let go from doing the next Star Wars uh, spinoff film, and also uh, some of the rumors that he was... uh, very hard for Fox to control during the making of this film to the point where when he turned in his finished product, they all, they immediately demanded some reshoots be done without him. Um, those are a lot of big red flags involved. So I thought, well, maybe they can pull something out of here because, you know, certainly there are other films that are actually pretty good that have suffered the same fate. It's not common, but it can be done. But then they didn't screen it for critics until the day before uh, the film was about to be released. And for a major franchise like this, uh, that is definitely definitely not a good sign. So then I started to get pretty nervous. So I did go into this with pretty low expectations. So Fantastic Four is a science fiction action film. Most people would regard it as a superhero film. Although if you watch this film... And you didn't know anything about the Fantastic Four. You probably would not consider it one, interestingly enough. Um, perhaps it, it it's definitely runs more of, as a science fiction film and even borderlines on horror in certain scenes, but kind of uncanny stuff. It's a PG-13 film for sci-fi action violence and, and language. It runs one hour and 40 minutes. The cast is Miles Teller, who's playing Reed Richards here, Kate Mara, who is... Susan Storm, and uh, they are not married at the beginning of this film because they are playing much younger versions of themselves. Michael B. Jordan is the uh, brother of Kate Mara. Kate Mara is actually adopted in this film. Um, and uh, the father is played by Reg E. Cathy, and uh, Jamie Pell is playing Ben Grimm, and Toby Kebbell is playing uh, Victor Von Doom. Tim Blake Nelson also gets a supporting role as kind of a, a government goon. Uh, Josh Trank is the director, and uh, Trank also gets a screenplay credit as, along with Simon Kinberg and Jeremy Slater. So let's suppose you're Josh Trank, and your intent is to reboot the misguidedly jokey Tim Story Fantastic Four films, and... In, at least in Fox eyes, hope to make it right this time. And you make not only a film that is significantly worse, but it's also arguably one of the worst big studio releases since they learned to do superheroes kind of right with 2000's The X-Men. It's worse than anything Marvel Studios has put out by a long shot. It's also worse than other disappointing franchises like the Amazing Spider-Man reboot and even the more recent Man of Steel. Fantastic Four, the 2015 version, goes right to the special category called Let's Pretend It Never Existed. And that's where it's going to ultimately end up, even if we're talking about it today. You know, this is a category where films like Elektra and Catwoman and Ang Lee's Hulk and Green Lantern and The Punisher 
and the Spirit and X-Men Origins Wolverine and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance belong to you. So uh, if you thought any of those films were any good, and I can't imagine ver- there are many of you who do, perhaps this is going to be something that might be up your alley because your threshold for entertainment may be sufficiently low enough. But I certainly don't think that it was very good. The anticipation would be that Fantastic Four could be the start of a new and very long-running franchise because they not only decided to cast much younger actors to represent the Fantastic Four in their teens. Um, now, that's kind of a curious choice because the youngest of the four uh, in this Fantastic Four happens to be Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan, who are 28. The oldest is Kate Mara, so they're all between 28 and 32, and they're supposed to be playing teenagers. Uh, and this is going to be, and they're going to be continue to be cast in this uh, in this franchise as uh, <laughs> to to build on. That's kind of a weird choice, but uh, I think series fans or fans of the comic books or even just superhero movies in general could not really gripe because these this is a very good cast. Miles Teller, fantastic in films just like uh, Whiplash and. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, who is terrific in Fruitvale Station, and Kate Mara, who is really good on House of Cards, and uh, Jamie Bell, of course, who is uh, Billy Elliot and, uh, you know, a respected young actor, and Reggie Cathy's in the film, uh, Tim Blake Nelson. So you had a pretty good cast here to build on, and, and certainly if you're looking at franchises, this is a good, as good a, a, a cast that you could probably expect for a film that's not a Marvel property that everybody's itching to get into. Um, so there is a, a lot of optimism that you could come away with, uh, at least going into this film, uh, because of this cast. So Miles Teller, he's playing Reed Richards here in his older form. They do have some child actors here to play uh, the younger version of Reed Richards as well as Ben Grimm. But, um, so in his older form, uh, Reed Richards... He, he kind of grew up wanting to be the first person to tran- to actually transport from one place to another, and he's actually been working on this invention for most of his life. And as we meet him as a mid, maybe in his mid-teens or maybe in the, even in his late teens, he has invented with the assistance of his best and perhaps only friend Ben Grimm, who is played by Jamie Bell here, a contraption that apparently allows this uh this device to teleport an object somewhere else and then have it return back to the invention reed initially thinks that the the place that the object goes is on earth but then he's later informed that he has actually created an interdimensional transporter that is connected to another planet of an unknown origin that's full of all kinds of crazy energy and uh this Invention gets him linked up with this man called Dr. Franklin Storm, who's played by Reg E. Cathy. Uh, he's the head of a government-sponsored science-based think tank for young prodigies such as Reed Richards. And the, the uh, think, think tank is called the Baxter Institute, where along with his uh, thrill-seeking son Johnny, his adopted genius of a daughter Sue, and this older prodigy named Victor Von Doom, uh, they are have all been working together for uh, on a project of that is going in a sim- similar direction, and this could be the final piece to get them there. So, after building a bigger version of Reed's device, 
which can transport much larger obje- objects. A government representative on the case, uh, played by Tim Blake Nelson, wants to have his men take over the project once he has seen that it can be successful when they send a chimp through it. And that leaves these scientists who have spent their entire lives basically forging the way, little choice but uh, to sneak into the facility and operate this high-tech machine themselves if they want to be the first humans ever to travel to this new and undiscovered planet. After drunk dialing Ben Grimm to join them in on the fun, uh, Reed and company do just that. And while they are on this other planet, things do go awry, as you would expect. And they discover that this place is rife with this unknown and seemingly unstable energy source that consumes them. Victor Von Doom is lost there, and the rest of the crew manage to escape and get back just barely with their lives. But they find that they are forever changed by this experience, not only because of the emotional toll that it takes, but... Physically, they have changed as well. Reed Richards becomes this man of rubber-like abilities. He can stretch his limbs and he can, uh, you know, you do things with his body as if his bones were made out of uh, elastic. Ben Grimm becomes this giant Goliath made completely of stone. Johnny Storm is this man who can... Uh, who is covered with flames and he can even fly, uh, apparently, for reasons I... I, I really don't know that's not really explained in this film and sue is a woman who can turn invisible and also has the ability to create force fields and apparently fly as well using these force fields for reasons unknown so part of the problem with adapting a fantastic four uh property into a two-hour film is that this is a property built on the notion of a family so regardless of of property it's really hard to make a Fantastic Four film, at least the first one, because each member of the family gets their own unique powers, and we have to explore what those are, and we also have to establish the this family and what they mean to each other, and when they do get these powers, we have to explore what those strengths are, what all the permutations of their power are, and it's not really easy to define with just one instance, save perhaps for The Thing, who's just really big and strong. You know, that one's obvious, but, you know, you could spend a long time trying to discover exactly all of the things that Susan Storm can do with her force field ability and her ability to um, to do invisibility. I mean, the, the, the comic book itself went over decades, and she kept getting newer and, and fancier uh, abilities. Reed Richards also has many abilities, and you wonder, and actually explore some interesting new wrinkles here as far as what he can do, um, which I won't go into because one of them, and it does involve a spoiler, but, um, it, it, there's just so much you, you, there's so many more questions than answers that you get from this film. So th- there's this inordinate amount of time that has to be spent establishing this history among all of the four characters what they all mean to each other, how they relate to each other, and then you have to explain this mission that they're going to be on, what their aim is, what they're supposed to be doing there, and then once they do go on this mission, what goes on during that mission, how it goes awry, then you get into how they get these uncanny abilities and how they learn to control those abilities, and then if there's time left, you have to finally give them a villain with his own origin to fight you know, and that villain, obviously in a Fantastic Four film, is invariably going to be Doctor Doom. 
So then you have to have that, and then you have to have the fight, the scuffle, and, you know, it. there's just a lot of overhead involved. So, um, you know, I think it would have probably been a better choice if they would have just gone into this film and did flashbacks to their origins. You know, most people have who are big superhero fans who are going to go see the Fantastic Four films anyway, probably have already seen the original Fantastic Four films or have read the comic books or, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really, you know, it it is kind of a convoluted storyline if you really want to get down to the nitty gritty, but you know, the Fantastic Four has been around for decades. I mean, a lot of people grew up watching the cartoons or reading the comic books or, you know, just people, People have a familiarity with it enough to not have to go into an extended version of their origin story. It could have been done in flashbacks, or it could have been abbreviated, or it could have, they could have even had five minutes to really get you up to speed. And then we can really get into what we really want to see is what they do with these powers and how they actually act as a team. But 2015's Fantastic Four makes a fatal mistake by not only subjecting us yet again to another iteration of that origin story that every Fantastic Four property uh, has done before and every Fantastic Four fan already knows, and few non-Fantastic Four fans would find particularly interesting if they didn't know it. You know, what's worse, Fantastic Four not only spends too much time with this origin before it finally can discard it to be the fun and interesting superhero film we all imagine it should be based on our recollection of the comic books and TV cartoons, but also makes the entire film nothing but that origin. This leaves this movie feeling anticlimactic throughout for anyone with even a passing knowledge of the well-known comic book characters as we all know that things will go haywire, we know that they'll get superhuman abilities. We know what form they will be. We know that Doom isn't ever going to be really dead. And we know that he will eventually become their main nemesis in the film. And yet this film acts like we don't know any of that stuff going in. And so that means that even for a relatively short one hour and 40 minute film, it feels incredibly long at the same time because we wait for each box to get checked off of that origin story to ultimately get hopefully to a destination where we actually get into some new ground where we can actually get some surprise into this story where it eventually goes and yes you know this entire film is kind of you know it it almost eschews this uh this time when we actually get to see them act as superheroes it's almost as if it, this film were built as this kind of pilot to a TV show that looks like it could be, get better down the road, but it has this awful pilot to get through. And we hope that it could get better if it could shed its caterpillar embodiment and become that beautifully colored butterfly we all know it could be once that universe is established that they can finally get to all play within. But sadly... Fantastic Four is so shockingly inept, even taken merely as just an origin story, that there's just no way we will probably see a follow-up to it cinematically. That's because, after watching this film, you still don't like these characters. Even if you like the actors, there's really no characters here to like. We don't buy them as a family. There's no joy in seeing them work together. There's really not much. There's not enough given for them to even show a chemistry where we actually like them working together. And there's even less intrigue in figuring out how 
they're going to defeat whatever it is that thing is that's supposed to be Victor Von Doom at the end. Further giving giving that uh, that television pilot feel is the fact that this is a movie that feels like an ending was hurriedly slopped on at the last minute. It never generates enough buildup to properly feel like this this climax is actually even a climax. Then, as soon as we get an inkling that, hmm, you know, maybe this is finally the climactic battle, it's completely over. It's so abbreviated that it feels like one of those cases where, you know, if you've ever gone to a movie and you just couldn't stop from having to go to the bathroom and you're going to spend, this is not one of those quick, quickie, get in and get out jobs. You're going to be there for a good length of time, 10 minutes or so. And you get back, you return to your seat only to discover that you missed all of the best parts in the climax. It feels like that, except that in this case, you never leave your seat and there's no one else that you have been viewing the film with that can fill you in on all of the cool stuff you missed while you were away because everyone missed the cool stuff. It's just not here. Shortly after all of you know all of the the this climax that's not really a climax we get this obligatory capper a moment of levity at the end just before rolling credits that feels again like a tv episode because they might as well have just done a freeze frame of the cast in mid laugh like that old school tv episode style because uh that's that's about as low aiming as this film is from a cinematic perspective the reigns of the Fantastic Four franchise here, I don't know why it was given to Josh Trank, except that, you know, he, he, I, presumably it was due to the impressive, at least to some people, work that he did with a, a comparatively minuscule budget with his previous superhero flick, Chronicle, which did get some critical acclaim. Trank directs and gets a co-scripting credit with veteran action guy Simon Kinberg as well as Jeremy Slater, but clearly big-budget movie-making of properties that are well-established are, are clearly beyond the scope of this newcomer who brings in his own ideas on how this story should be told, regardless of whatever it says in their comic book origins. He came in just saying, forget Stan Lee's original work and, uh, you know, forget it, they do, because Stan Lee does not even make his trademark cameo in this film, which as far as I know, I, I may be missing it here, and certainly you can write to me if, if I am. This may be the first f- f- time he has not appeared in a cameo, f- uh, since he started doing cameos for a superhero film that he created in comic book form. Trank would rather shake things up by giving us the basic structure of the Fantastic Four. You know, those things that, he, that are so intractable he can't change. Just enough to pacify the fans from saying that this is just not even a Fantastic Four film. But he alters just about all of the finer details as if it's the details of their origins that have to be changed to make this somehow work. And yet... Every Fantastic Four film has changed their origins to the point where it, it, they are barely comparable to what we see in the comic book that, you know, it's not the comic book or, or its origins that are the problem. It's what people do to tinker that think where they think that they're going to make it better. That is the problem because they never they, invariably they make it worse because they think that audiences need this and not what the original was. The climax of Fantastic Four shifts the tone from the, what was like maybe two-thirds of it, a science-based drama with moments of action that are too dark and, 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 and gruesome in their events, 
I mean, there's some some things that happen once you see Victor Von Doom come into play that are rare to find outside of a horror film, and it goes so far the other way from the original property, from from even Tim Story's property. You know, they're they're, they're completely on other sides of the spectrum. If you put Fantastic Four, uh, if you take the original comic book series, you, it's it's hard to even recognize this except for by the character names as that this is even a Fantastic Four. Uh, uh, property anymore. In fact, I don't really even recognize these characters, even with the names, as any of those that I read about growing up. Reed seems way more goofy here than he is a genius. Sue is virtually personality free, uh, just a, a brain. I mean, probably just as smart as Reed, if not more so, which is different from the comic, but it just does, there's no, nothing there to bring her to life. And she's not largely very loyal. She seems like an independent player. Maybe she's loyal to her father, but for the most part, she just kind of derides the rest of the team, which is something you don't generally see Susan do. Johnny Storm is much more of a reckless loser than he would be the envy of girls who love bad boys as he was in the comic. And Ben Grimm is just a sad sack victim of abuse. He seems sullen and needy and pathetic instead of this hard-nosed, good-hearted lug who wears his heart on his sleeve. I mean, he's he's so he's so withdrawn in this film. You, you just can't even relate. He's not even fun to watch. Ben Grimm should be uh what really brings things to life in a Fantastic Four film and I just whenever he's on screen, you just feel bad. All of these characters become government stooges without much coercion, and it leads you to wonder why we should consider them good guys at all. All they are doing is the the dirty work of whatever military operation some government official comes up with, and they're con- completely content to do that. You know what? Wh- what you know? What are they doing that's actually good for the planet, except for you know what we have at the end? And you could even argue that whatever Victor Von Doom's case is, he almost could be considered the hero in a way, considering what uh, the people of Earth were willing to do to not only Earth but also another planet uh, in order, <laughs> you know, probably destroy both planets in the process. So with all of these good guy characters, not really good guys, or even ones that I recognize as as something that I, I cherished growing up, don't even get me started on Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom happens to be my all-time favorite comic book villain. I've always loved Doctor Doom as a villain. He's in, Instead of what he was in the comics, this mad genius despot who does what he does because he craves power and he also... Uh, he wants the unfiltered adulation of the people of his native Latveria above all else. Instead of that, we have this grotesque, jealous loner who thinks that a planet with seemingly no food or water or any people whatsoever is preferable. He'd rather be the last guy in the universe, much less uh, care about people from Latveria or, or, or anybody, any place else on Earth. He, everyone involved should be forced to see the end of Danny Boyle's uh, science fiction film Sunshine, the one from 2007. And you can, if you watch that film, you can see that this kind of character, the Victor Von Doom character, kills movies that are actually good. So having one at the end of a bad movie is infinitely worse because it's beyond the ability of most viewers who've suffered through already an hour of boring filmmaking to ultimately become so disappointing it's almost impossible to bear.
in summation for this film, I could quip here that there's nothing fantastic about Fantastic Four, but then I looked at the synonyms of the word fantastic. And perhaps by reading some of the synonyms of the word fantastic, maybe you too will come to the same conclusion that I would do, which is that fantastic may be the most fitting adjective one could give, because after all, you know, looking at these synonyms, what is this movie if not, quote, weird, absurd, far-fetched, nonsensical, unbelievable, preposterous, ludicrous, unthinkable, implausible, dubious, and grotesque? All synonyms of fantastic, and yes, if fantastic means any of these words, then yes, it should be called the Fantastic Four. If only in name, because it is not the Fantastic Four I grew up on, and I guarantee you it's not the Fantastic Four that people 20, 30, 40 years from now will look back on and wish that they could be, be more of those because, uh, frankly, I'll be surprised if they even bother making another sequel to this. And, you know, with any luck, you know, the fans will have spoken and maybe it'll even finally revert back to Marvel to hopefully do this property right. Although I can see with two attempts uh, at delivering a Fantastic Four franchise to the public, uh, it's it's going to take a long time, I think, before the public decides that they want to come back for a third go-round to see this property. I mean, I think that most people are probably done with this. You, two strikes and you're out. You know, at the very best, we're going to see, hopefully, maybe a television show, and maybe that will be respectable, uh, kind of similar to the way that Daredevil was considered respectable when appearing on Netflix. But uh, the way that it is here... It's just a uh, a shell of its greatness. You know, the world's greatest comic magazine is what they actually called the original Fantastic Four. This film is not even... Uh, it, it's one of the worst uh, comic book-based franchises around, unfortunately. And that's coming from a lifelong, diehard fan of the Fantastic Four. It leave, leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So I'm giving this film... One and a half stars. It is just I, I I just can't imagine ever sitting through this again. It is it was just painful for me to sit through, and uh, you know despite some people claiming oh they liked the way that they treated the origin and all this other stuff. I mean save that for a TV show. If I want to see a Fantastic Four movie, I better have some fun with it. I want to see you know I wanted to actually capture what it is that made it such a stalwart in the Marvel universe uh, of comic books. You know, nothing that you see on the screen is representative of a property that should have lasted since the 1960s. Um, you know, it, there's nothing here that you see uh, where you say, wow, this is great. I, you know, why didn't they make this sooner? So, you know, some people have said that the best Fantastic Four movie or maybe the only Fantastic Four, good Fantastic Four movie is The Incredibles. The Incredibles is about to come up with a sequel. And maybe somebody should have looked at The Incredibles, which most everybody loves, and say, you know, that's how you do a Fantastic Four film right. Whatever it is that Josh Trank turned in or Tim Story turned in, it's a desecration <laughs> of the Fantastic Four franchise. So, anyway, I'm sorry to have to deliver the bad news for Fantastic Four fans, because I certainly am one of them. And it's a real crushing disappointment to see what has become of this once venerable uh, uh, team of superheroes. So, 
Hopefully you liked the review. If you have anything that you want to say to me regarding this review or any other review that you've heard on the Quipster Film Review Podcast, you can write to me, quipster at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter to find out when I post a new review at Quipster. You can also like me on Facebook for the same, facebook.com slash quipster.net and you can find all of that information at my website, and along with over 3,600 other of my written reviews, quipster.net. The spelling of quipster in all of those forms is with a w q w i p s t e r dot net. So I'm going to be reviewing the gift coming up shortly in the next episode or two. Also, Ricky and the Flash, and uh, a few other surprises. So you definitely want to click the, the subscribe button if you haven't already. Hopefully, you enjoy the show and you want to stick with it. And uh, like I said. If you have any comments, suggestions, quipster at gmail.com is where you can write me. So, And if you happen to be on iTunes, I'd love it if you left a review as well. Until next time, thank you everyone for listening and enjoy your time at the movies. And you know what? If this is your choice of going to the movies, you might as well just dig out some old Fantastic Four comic books. Anything from the 1980s that's written by John Byrne, I guarantee you, you will have infinitely more enjoyment within a 22-page issue than anything, any moment you get in this entire hour and 40-minute runtime. They are a beauty to behold. Thank you, everyone. Until next time, I am out. <laughs>